everybody and welcome to episode four of Lightspace Podcast. Just before we start, I want to say a really big thank you to everybody that has listened, supported and promoted the podcast. I really appreciate it. Also, hello to my listeners in Germany, Indonesia, the USA. So we're now going international. Thank you again for listening. Again, I really appreciate it. So like I said, this episode is about men and mental health part one, the younger generation. I will be releasing part two, the older generation, about two weeks. And it will be interesting to see the differences in the answers between the two generations. The guys in this episode open up about their vulnerabilities, being a black man and mental health and how that goes in hand in hand. It was a really, really open and honest discussion. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Also, just to say, it was Guy Fawkes night when um, we was recording this episode. So you will hear fireworks. Apologies for that. The joys of recording from home. So without further ado, I'm now going to introduce the guys. Is Nathan? What's up, what's up, what's up? Uh, my name is Nathan, 25, South London, born and raised, and Rihanna's neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and next? Yeah, I'm Stephen, uh, 29, um, I might as well call myself an entrepreneur, small business owner, and yeah, I don't think I have anything else to that title. Perfect. So like I said earlier in my intro, this episode is going to be about men and mental health, but we're looking at it from a younger generation point of view. And a couple of weeks later, we'll be looking at it from an older generation point of view. So I'm just going to start questions from now when we can just talk and have a really open and honest discussion. So my first kind of question for you guys is, how does it feel as a black man trying to meet like the peer and society expectations and trying to juggle your mental health at the same time? Um... Stephen, do you want to answer this first? Oh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Much well, appreciate. <laughs> um, do you know what? I think it's definitely from an aspect of um, if we're looking at financially uh, and where you think you need to be, there's a lot of pressures as a black man from not necessarily from yourself. It could be pressure from your peers, dating-wise, because in this kind of generation now, it's if you ain't making money, you're not really being noticed and recognised. And sometimes, mm. in, especially in your circles, everyone's very money-driven and very, I've got to be making money, I've got to be doing this. And then when you go into dating and stuff, it's all about money. And I think the pressures now that when we look at our parents in terms of, you know, by such a by such, such an age, they've moved out, got their houses, made have kids. Our generation's not necessarily doing that. We're mm. probably still living at home, you know, God only knows when we're moving out and yeah, you're just expected to just try and live life and try and enjoy, but also save at the same time. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure um, on us as, I would, I would, we can still call ourselves young adults. Um, yeah, we're millennials. Yeah. Yeah. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're like 2,000 people. We're millennials. So, yeah. <laughs> I would kind of agree to that, you know, but I would say more like, um, I would emphasize more on the clout side of things um, because this clout is killing people. Like the actual look of having money has surpassed the actual like factor and the importance of actually having money. Obviously, it's not. It's important. Um, I saw a lot. I, I saw much as you make it important, but you know, money's obviously a factor for the world to go around and to live. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough, especially as a young black man. Because 
when you're young, you're told that you have to be ten times harder than the other race. Yeah. Work ten times harder. And so with with just that being said, you know, you're already at a disadvantage. Um, because then you, you not only don't have to think about what your people go through on a day to day basis, but you're now thinking about um how am I now gonna get ahead of the other races because they have this disadvantage. Not as much as that, but most of the black people aren't um, who are in in the UK aren't born with wealth, mm-hmm. so you've got you're thinking about mm-hmm. like everything that's going on at home too, and yeah. you're already at a disadvantage at the starting line. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like kind of put all like white people or like other races in one boat and say they're all born rich, um, yeah. but statistics do prove that more white people um, are born um, in a better financial position than black than black black men are. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So. Yeah, you're, I think you're already at a disadvantage, but um, the only way you can get through it is is just, like, find your craft and perfect it. And, like, again, as Stephen said, like, well, just kind of going with what Stephen was saying, like, everyone just cares about money and, you know, looking like money and whatever and having money to do anything um, and trying to achieve what um, our parents back in the day did, like, moving out at a young age. Like, kind of perfect your craft and then kind of have that tunnel vision um, to kind of not look at anyone else and do your, do your own thing will kind of help, in my opinion. And do you feel like that helps in terms of pro- promoting that like, positive mental health? Because obviously, as you lot are saying, like, as men, I think you guys definitely come into a different bracket when it comes to mental health, which is what I'm trying to kind of trying to highlight because obviously you and Stephen have both said you, there's, pro- there's pressures on you guys as black men to succeed. But where does how how do you then promote that with your mental health? Because obviously, if you're a man, especially living in 2020, and like Stephen said, with in terms of money and what you said as well, Nathan, like we're not born into wealth, and there's so much things you need to have or need to do, but you know you can't get it. How does that then play in your mental health? Um, Stephen. Thank you again. <laughs> um, no, do you know what? I feel like um, when I look at that task, I mean, for me personally, if I don't have, I don't have. Mm. I don't think mm. you've got to be realistic about yourself and look at who you're surrounding yourself with. And if people in your team are, like, everybody's got to have different people in their team. You can't have all the same people because as much as it sounds like the Brady Bunch, it's really not that in life. Um, yeah, and you've got really got to say, you know what? If I don't have this, I'm gonna save to it. Or I'm gonna just have a goal where I'm gonna strive for this and set yourself realistic targets. Don't be put yourself in debt just for the sake of wanting something or the sake of uh, my brethren has this and I want this. Do you know what I mean? Set yourself realistic because I always say the biggest risk in life you can make is financial. Yeah, in anything mm. you do. Um, so or is it? Know, or is it? Or is it? Sorry to cut you off. Is it? <sighs> I, feel, I think I the biggest financial this. risk is I think the biggest financial risk is your time. I mean, the biggest risk in your life is time. Uh, but they probably go hand in hand, though. Uh, when you, when oh, you think about it. The thing is, like, yeah, because money, yeah, like, like, I would rather, like, invest in something financially and and take the chance on it failing or, or succeeding, but knowing the fact I tried. Mm. Instead of, like, someone wasting your time in these remember them remember them like what is it called um them them people that that, that will say i'll come to this meeting 
You know, we're gonna we're gonna make some money. Oh, yeah, like the trading get there. people. Not even that. It's them people that sell you like ACN, them type of people. You oh, go yeah, there, them and they're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. selling broadband and shit. And I'm like, yeah, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's time I could have been doing something else, like, working on something else kind of thing. But do, do you feel like, like, I'm going to bring an example, like, do you know, like, the everybody watch Pursuit of Happiness? Yeah. Right. You know the how... Pursuit of Happiness? Yeah. yeah. You know how yeah, when yeah. Will invested in the, um, those machines? Yeah. I thought to yeah. myself, all right, cool. He's probably been sold it by somebody else. And somebody sold yeah. the dream, and he invested his whole life savings into that. To the point where he was homeless in a toilet. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like... I cried, fam. Do you know it's deep? Yeah, it's that, that was mad, fam. What? He was in a toilet with his son. Never oh, that, that well, he didn't have mad. a dollar to his name, by the you know way. What I mean? And was then still doing the... What was he doing? Like, the trading The trading thing. and, and like, yeah, Actually, yeah, I'm so yeah. glad you, you, you picked that film because... He is the, that film is the example of a black man and how someone's mental health can deteriorate so quickly. Mm. He mm. was homeless, in, sleeping in a subway toilet with his son, mm. having to protect his son, making out that the man that was trying to push down the door and making out to his son like it was a big adventure. And he scared mm. himself. But he managed to overcome that. And obviously, and he's a really good example of how mental health and money and men that can just deteriorate so 100%, 100%. quickly. That, that's that's what I look at a lot through life in terms of watching that film and uh, man, I don't think he even won an Oscar for that. But looking at that and seeing how left life can go makes me sometimes always reconsider why investing or do you know the time that you put in because mm. the risk factors are so high, man, and it's especially in the world we live in now. You spend a hundred pounds tomorrow or something, <laughs> and you could really either go left or right for you, and it's yeah. always a positive. Yeah, I agree. Still, I, 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 I'm kind of gonna go back on my point and say, yeah, I agree with you. It goes hand in hand because <laughs> had Will just thinking about that movie was an actually sick example because had Will not in, like invested all his time in that, like bro, like it looked like it was just gonna be like an empty investment, like empty mm. returns. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's mad because, like, as you were explaining it, yeah, I had the thought, like, a lot of the times, yeah, like, when you're, like, about to break through, mm. like, it feels like you're having a mental breakdown mm. or, like, like you're going through mental illness. But, like, do we often get confused nowadays with, like, mental strength and mental, mental illness? Because, uh... like, what Will was going through, yeah, could have easily been men- mental illness through his family deteriorated yeah. um, because of his um, so-called failures at the time, or was it a test of his mental strength till he succeeded? Yeah, true, true. that's a very good point. They... Like, but we often get confused and then we say, oh, like, I'm feeling stressed or, like, I've got anxiety, but is it actually anxiety and stress or is it a test of your mental strength? To be fair, those two probably go hand in hand because if you would ask a professional, they'd probably say that naturally when you feel stressed, it is a kind of a test of your mental strength. And that's the whole point of mental health is that everybody has different triggers and everybody has a different point, mm. which can then make them either break and deteriorate or can go the opposite yeah. way. And that's the whole point about mental health. Like yeah, what yeah. might be my trigger isn't Stevens and isn't yours because we're all born different as mm. human beings. Um, Nathan, I'm actually going to come to you quickly because if y'all didn't know, Nathan is a footballer. <laughs> um... And there's been obviously been a lot of talk right now, particularly around football, 
in regards to football and mental health. And I just wanted your quick take on what you think about how they can do better in regards. I don't know if everyone's listened to my podcast episode about young people mental health, where I had the three young aspiring footballers who were doing really, really well, and they kind of gave their opinion. But Nathan has actually kind of gone through the ranks. Um, so what's your opinion in regards to football and mental health? Because I know you've obviously gone through highs and lows in the game. Um, so what do you think about, what do you think the football, what do you think, how do you think the football association can do better, for example, in regards to young people, mental health and footballers and mental health? Cool. So I feel that um, a lot of players don't actually look at their mental health and take it seriously. So they don't look at it and and think, oh, like, my, my mental health is deteriorating or like, you know, like I'm going through a rough period and let me look into my mental health. It's only now that people are actually going to do like therapy and counselling. When I was coming through um, at West Ham, but it was that we were lucky because the club actually had money. So they actually had a psychologist that we'd see like once or twice a week. Um, oh, really? Yeah. That's good. But the negative thing about that was the guy had never kicked a ball in his life. So right. that guy is talking from the book. He's not talking from experience. And so mm-hmm. with that, it's like we need more footballers to actually, when they're done out the game, to actually come back as psychologists or do their degrees and mm-hmm. be therapists because you know where we're coming from. It's like yeah. me, I'm coming to tell you about your job, but I've never worked there. Um, not tell you about your job, but how you can deal with the stresses of your job. And I've yeah. never walked in your shoes. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah. I hear that. It's very similar, like, going to see a white therapist and they're telling you how to feel about your own black experience. Exactly. We have never, ever... You know, our life experiences are very different. Exactly, exactly. And so if a white therapist was to come and tell me how to deal with, like, someone being racist to me or how to deal with, like, the Black Lives Matter situation, Mm. like, we could only relate so much. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's a point where the, the barrier stands and only I can go through that and you can't come because you haven't been there. And mm. I feel that that happened, that that, that goes on. And, and like with football, it's, it's a lot of emotions and it's a lot of like, um, there's a lot to do with your mind. Like I always say like, it's 90%, it's 90% mental and 10% skill. Because mm. everyone's got skill. So you, you fit in that small bracket. And sorry, that big bracket, um, the 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 ten bracket, so to say, but mm-hmm. the 90% mental, not everyone has it. That's why it's so large. Yeah. That's why it contributes so much. And when you have it, you see that you can you can go through so many upsets and so many things. The ups and it's not even just the upsets, but the good times because sometimes the good times can be so overwhelming that it just sweeps you up and you don't even know it, sw- it swept you up. And people are saying, well, this guy's actually a good player, but why is he? playing like he's not it's not that the guy's not a good player but he hasn't yet mastered his mind and so the guy the the 19 year old who's just come out and broken through has got a massive contract of 50k a week and Mm. he doesn't know how to actually manage that like his family will help him manage the money but he doesn't know how to mentally manage himself so um his emotions are in check his mind is in check his priorities in his mind are in check and as that comes so quick so fast like as fast as it comes, as fast as it goes. And by the time you know it, you've lost everything and you're wondering how you've lost it. It's mm. only because you didn't actually seize the opportunity to control your mind whilst it was going on. So it's, it's a very interesting but tricky thing to uh, master and, and understand. Yeah, I think 
obviously for my listeners, if you've listened to the um my podcast, my previous podcast, which is about young people mental health, we had three really young guys are actually currently now going through the um the eight seventeen currently now going through the whole football whatever the word is. I'm not, I'm not good with football jargon, mm-hmm. and they were basically saying that it's so hard to kind of where does your where does your emotions go in terms of they were saying obviously football has that reputation of the culture is quite old school mm. in terms of your men you don't talk about your feelings when about the pitch because mm. right now it's not about your feelings you're out here to score win a game show your skill set and come off the pitch that's yeah. kind of like the mentality that it is your feelings and emotions which is which is kind of ironic because the whole point of playing is that you're emotional you're not emotional but that you're um, excited, euphoria, you're trying to get the... Go- Do you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a, and that's an emotion. But it's so funny how, like, coaches and managers will be like, ignore it, you're not a girl, kind of kind of that situation, mm-hmm. and just go and do what you have to do. Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> and breaking that barrier of not making it... Make, I think my thing with football is what... And this is obviously my own personal opinion, is the fact that I think football hasn't yet been able to destigmatize mental health as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think when people think of mental health... They just think of, oh, that person's mentally unstable, so they obviously can't play the game. Or that person isn't uh, mentally right, in mentally in check to now go kick a ball in a field in front of how many millions of people mm-hmm. or, like, in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the issue. I think it needs to kind of destigmatize the mental health side of things. I know they're trying, especially um, with all the recent things I've gone in the news and stuff. Mm-hmm. But... I think that's what I think. And this is me talking about... I remember I'm not in a... I don't really know about football. I'm talking about it from, like, the mental health side of you. Mm. Of how I think maybe they can try and make it a little bit... I don't know, destigmatise. Less... Cult, it's the culture. It's about the culture. It's an old... It's football's a, a man's thing. Basically. Yeah. We're going to say it how it is. It's always... Ha- I know there's female footballers. What I'm saying is from the get-go, it's always from back in the day, from the 90s, 80s, 70s, it's always been about men. Mm. And men not expressing how they feel. Mm. Like fun, it's actually a fun factor is actually women were playing football and, and earning the most and actually um, had the most crowds back in the day. You know, before men actually revolutionised it. Oh, um, really? Yeah, that's actually a fun, fun fact. fact. But what the guys did were they were jealous and were obviously um, sexist and said, you know what, like women can't play football anymore, and so. Honestly, women, women's football only recently got back, but back in the day, it was actually the women's that were doing it. Mm. But um, going back to like the culture, like in football, yeah, I'll tell you, like the culture is like the person who doesn't show any emotion is the is the hard man, and like it's mad because it's a results driven game. Like if you, if the manager's not getting the results, mm. and you're standing in the way of it because of your mental illness, like it's cool and that you can have that, but you can do that on the side, like on your own time, kind of thing. So you're actually out of the team, and. That's from a manager's perspective because it's a business. Mm. The more games you win, the more money you get in for the club. Yeah. If you're not winning games, you're out. Mm. You know, and that's literally where it is. In terms of the players' perspective, like there's so many, like like it's it's pretty. It's, it don't annoy me because I look at people that say this type of stuff, um, just as people who um, just don't know what's going on. But like people just think, oh, you know, you're just going on a pitch and playing and whatever. But and it's funny we're actually on this topic because before I actually came back from Canada, we had um, uh, a psychologist speak to us via Zoom and she told us, what's the one thing you're worried about um, if things go wrong? And many players like kind of wrote down, um, you know, what what, what actually um, 
motivates them to play and if they can't play what what is going to be their main concern and people spoke about like um how their family is going to react money and and different types of things and it's it's interesting to find out that not everyone has the same issue mm-hmm. and when you're when you're talking about football people come into the game with their own issues everyone comes in with their own problems and their their own thoughts in the back of their mind and once you're entering this game you're not just entering it like when you when you're in the game you zone out but like for the ones that can't zone out they're playing the game with like burdens in their mind yeah. you know like um i remember there was a game out there just as um um the guy in america got got his he's he died because he got strangled through the police officer kneeling on his neck i forgot his george name floyd. yeah george floyd and when that happened because i was in north america it was a very very massive thing just a little backstory for my listeners sorry nathan plays football now in canada which is why he's talking about canada just a little backstory and so playing out there was 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 it was very tough because as a black man because i I, i've never been through that like we've been through like small police but we've never been through police actually beating you up on the road like and shooting you how how it happens in america Mm. and so it was a massive thing and what happened was um all the guys in, in all the teams, everyone, every black player and uh, and a lot of white players, we all stood together and said, if we don't nail tomorrow and we don't like show some sort of acknowledgement, we ain't playing. Mm-hmm. And it, it was mad because everyone stood together at that point. Mm. And you, you really saw like other people of different races actually empathizing with you and joining in on the move. And I'm going somewhere with the story, but um, we, we we actually managed to um, get that all sorted and we made sure that the cameras made sure they got it and whatever. It was an amazing thing. But the next day we had to play after George Floyd, I think it was the day after or a couple of days after and we had to play. And for me, it, it actually got me to the point where I was so upset. I was close to tears mm. because it was like, how can this happen to a person? Mm. So I went to the game like white people won't feel that mm-hmm. the way I do because I think like it could have been yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going into the game with all that in my mind. And what happened was because we didn't have fans, what they did was we united and linked arms. So every other team um came to the game and linked arms around the pitch. And when it came to um the certain minute for the length that the officer stood on his neck, I think it was eight minutes something, they paused the game and we knelt. Mm. That was one of the most emotional moments ever because you're playing a game waiting for that eight minutes and your mind is not in the game yeah yeah and as a young black man like going through stuff like this that's why i said like when you're going into something as a young black man you're already at a disadvantage because of so many things you face not just at social but like at a racial point of view like you're just behind Mm you know and it, it, it counts for business i don't know like I, I, i'm just leaving it there because i don't want to blab on but i don't know how you lot can kind of relate in your kind of fields and how it kind of i don't I know i mean well obviously i work in mental health so for me that's the whole reason why i do what i do because mental health is so important i don't care what race you are but particularly for the black community um like i said in my first podcast is that we as a community definitely need more awareness about mental health because that's what makes us tick the same way our um the same way our brains make us tick our heart makes us tick our mental health also makes us tick as a person and if you're not paying attention to that and close attention to that especially and i always say this especially to black males 
because I do feel like black males, and I'm actually going to come, this is the next point I'm going to come on to, I do feel like black males, like you've already said, Nathan, you're already at a disadvantage. One, you're a man. First of all, your gender. Two, you're black. Mm. Three, you have to deal with, obviously everyone has to deal with pressures, but sometimes the pressures that you guys have to deal with are maybe a, little, a lot more intense for you because you're men, if you get what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, mm. And that is why looking after your mental health is so important. Like, I don't know how mm. Stephen feels about, in terms of his role. Um, for me, I mean, coming into like a, probably say a business orientated background, going from working for someone to working for yourself. Um, I definitely feel when I worked for someone, a lot of the time I was either a token black person or I was a part of a group of like three or four. Um, and <laughs> the rest of the company is white. Mm. And I mean, yeah. for me, sometimes when I was a token black person, I always felt like my performance determines if another black person comes through the door. And mm. it's a lot of pressure because at the same time, you're obviously you're going out to do it for yourself, but it would be great to see another face that looked like me. Yeah. Or had somebody mm. mentor me that's already in the company to say, this is what you do. This is what that you looks do. like you. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, luckily mm. for me, my dad's been in that field himself, so the support network I got was outside of work. But in work, a lot of the time, it will become me to be the, the person who's the mentor to the next black person. Yeah, and I'm learning myself, but um, and it's weird how you even said so. It's cut you. It's weird how you even said about the fact that you don't want your, however you're portrayed in the work environment, mm-hmm. you didn't don't want it to kind of um, cause judgment for a next black person coming in because in reality it shouldn't even mm-hmm. matter. Do you know why? Because everybody's different. But it's so mm-hmm. weird that as a black person, you initially feel like, oh my gosh, if I mess up they might think that this nuts black person that they're going to interview is going to mess up. They mm. might not even want to give them that job. But in reality, that shouldn't even mm. be a thing because it shouldn't matter because you should be based on your merit and your how you do that interview, not based on the colour of your skin. But we all know that that obviously isn't the case. Mm-hmm. But then that's, that's mm. why I feel like sometimes when I look at companies who hire black people or hire one person, it feels like, you know when you go shopping and you use a coupon? Mm. And that's what it feels like sometimes. Oh, I've had a black person, so you've met the quota here. And it's like, well, not really, because it's not, it should more. Be. it's not how it should be. It should be sometimes, I feel like when you get a job sometimes as a black person, you're, you're so thankful because someone is taking a chance on you. And it should be treated mm. as a chance. It should be, I'm qualified to this job. You hire me because of me. Not because we yeah. black men already kind of have in society, like we're just being honest, this is a very open honest podcast. Black men already in a society already has quite a negative don't matter what job role you're in or what industry you're in. Do you know what do you know what I'm trying to say? Black men already mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some people already see black men as a threat mm-hmm. and already look yeah. and it's already a negative. It doesn't matter where you're from, where you grew up, whether you have money, you don't have money. Um, you've been in trouble with the law, you haven't been in trouble with the law. As far as they're concerned, a lot of people have quite a negative stereotype of black men, which is mm. the fact that, no, we're not interested. Not saying everybody, I'm just yeah. saying, mm. some some workplaces don't have the greatest, one, they might have the greatest experience of working with black men, and two, they just really might just be ignorant. Yeah, 100%. Uh, no, I, I agree, I agree, I agree. It's tough, man, it's tough, it's tough. But then again, yeah, like, I feel that that could be a motivation at the same time. Yeah, it should be. 
do you know what I mean? Like, there's always, like, kind of two ends of the stick. But, like, especially for those who, who are, like, in football, yeah, I would definitely, like, I would definitely, like, motivate and adv- and encourage you to kind of say, like, look at who you are and not look at it as a disadvantage. Like, like obviously, when upset comes and bad times comes, easy to kind of blame it on that. But, like, look at yourself with, like, just look at yourself and be proud kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And look at yourself and proper, like, big up your chest. Because at the end of the day, yeah, who what you are, someone is yeah. not. So... As a black man, you gotta look around the room. If if you're not seeing anyone like you, you're already at advantage. Don't look at it as a disadvantage. Look at it as an advantage. And as from from when you're taking that approach already, you're at an advantage in your position. Like they might look at you and say, oh, he's the odd one out and he's this and that and the other." But look at yourself and be empowered, man. Mm. Like like people hate us because of mm-hmm. who we are. Like, and I didn't have to do nothing, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's that's you living in the head rent free. So use that as your advantage kind of thing, isn't it? Like, a lot of times, like, especially in football, we go into it and we think, oh, I'm the only black but man. But football I'm has pissed. got quite a lot of black players. But not, we... not, not until you go up north. Up who? Not until you go up north. Mm-hmm. I'm, talking, I'm talking about the Premier League, Nathan. Yeah, but if you look at the Premier League... Yeah, in the Premier League, but not everyone makes it to the Premier League. That's the reality yeah, of it. That's what you know, the Premier League is only multicultural because they can afford to actually get someone from Africa and bring them over. Yeah. But when you're talking about a little lower down the leagues and you go up, they can only sign local players. And if you're that lucky player that that somehow finds himself growing up in probably Cornwall or something called like, you know, them mad areas. And then you find yourself in this team, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well this is what I mean, you got That's what's yourself. funny as well, because even Stephen just made a good point about the fact that there's not even black managers. Mm. Um, mm. Which again There's not enough black keepers too. There's not yeah. Well, but this is my point. Obviously, with the whole mental health thing, as well. I, I, I get you saying about how you was obviously saying about managers, and obviously their point of it is um, it's a business. Mm. But if also black managers could also maybe sympathise with black players in term in regards to their mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially, I mean, this is going to come up. Let me even go into my next question because this is even going to come from my next my next kind of topic, which is basically about growing. Do you think growing up in a black household? Um, kind of cemented your beliefs on your mental health and do you think positive mental health was encouraged within your household? Stephen, you want to start again? Stephen? You know what? I would say the conversation has... Do you know what? I think mental health comes up a lot more now now that I'm an adult. Um, mm. Because I don't think I had those kind of conversations growing up. And maybe I probably didn't even, even if we had the conversation, I probably didn't know I was having the conversation anyway. Um, mm. But I mean, speaking for me, my parents were definitely very supportive and always asked my opinion. But on the flip side of that, sometimes was I willing to share my thoughts or really go as in depth as I wanted to? Probably not, um, because I find that growing up, when you're talking about your feelings, sometimes you just want to get over and done with it. As a boy. As a boy. Yeah, I've said it, but it's done. And do you think your parents, being obviously from a West Indian background, also mm-hmm. maybe look 
you kind of thought, yeah, is this because obviously, I, I thought, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, for me, I always felt like sometimes speaking made somebody worry about you, right? Rather than just expressing how you feel, how I, feel. Mm-hmm. That's it. I feel like when you express back in the day, it was oh, sorry, wrong with him because <laughs> I pay attention to him and. Oh, and everyone yeah. sees that concern and sometimes it might not be a big issue mm-hmm. but generally people are like oh well, they have questions about you because you've raised this concern or how you're feeling and it's not always that sometimes I just want to ask a question or I feel yeah. to express myself that's it that's mm. close I don't, yeah. I don't I don't need any further support it's just but... you want to talk that one second about something yeah. it's not that serious I just need to get off my chest but obviously do you think as well that because maybe your parents necessarily obviously within the West Indies mental health might not have been the core, especially back in the day as well, mental health might not have been the core subject. So mm-hmm. obviously when your parents, when you're saying something to your parents, your grandparents, for example, and because they don't understand maybe how to interpret what you're saying, they initially yeah. go to like the high end of the spectrum. And in reality, it's just a case of, I want to express myself. This is how I felt today. I feel comfortable mm-hmm. enough as a mm-hmm. boy to express myself mm-hmm. because, you know, guys sometimes don't even feel like they can even express themselves because they're boys. Yeah. But they don't really understand and it because they're looking at it from a completely different point of view. Sensitive if you raise a concern or issue constantly, constantly, and it's like, well, you know, and then you get treated a different way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me personally, I always felt like, all right, I would say, give you a little bit of what I, how I feel, and that's it. And sometimes it comes up as more of a aggression more than actually being an issue where you can say you know what I feel this way and it's, it's probably not more so a bad thing but sometimes we as men act out yeah. on our emotions yeah. um, mm. whether it be through anger issues as kids or whatever you know you start breaking stuff and all those kind of things because you don't have any other way of expressing it without some, some form of action um, and that's sometimes a problem in our black community now as an adult I'm able to have a conversation with my mom and dad or friend or family as well you know i feel this way or they might tell me they feel this way and it's not a case of oh i'm concerned about that one it's like i'm here for you i'm listening i'm supporting let's see mm. together. so i definitely feel that balance is changing nathan obviously nathan, i feel like african i was just about to say that it's completely different <laughs> because like whereas like like you look at like back in the day especially like primary school secondary school Caribbean kids had a lot of leeway, you know. You know what I mean? Like, what what, what, that's, how it, that's how it looked like, anyway. That's how it looked like, anyway. Like, more time we had to, we had to do a madness, you know. Like, for example, like, growing up, I remember, like, you know, it, number one, it was, it, it, it was a lot cooler when you're younger to be, like, a Caribbean person because you don't know your identity, number one. Number two, um, because of the cultural clash, um, because of, I was I was a young um, African um, uh, British British African mm-hmm. young man growing up, you're now clashing with the culture of your parents, yeah. and so when you're clashing with the culture of your parents, you don't understand certain things. Like for example, like simple things like like it's mad because my dad used to say this mad thing. You know, he used to say like. When you, when you, like, when we were younger, you know, this was mad. So when you leave the house in the UK, but when you come back, you're in Africa. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But he's basically saying, like, when you're out there, you can conform and do whatever nonsense you're doing. But in my house, you're conforming to my tradition and 
how I grew up, my culture. So do you feel like so you was it, able to express, say if you was feeling, like say if you was feeling low, for example, would do you think you're, you could have a conversation with your dad and he would understand, bear, bearing in mind that he's already kind of given you that warning that obviously when you're out there in the UK, when you're in the house, it's um, Africa. Exactly what I'm getting to. So back then, no, because like it was a case of, he's very he was very old mm-hmm. school, but obviously it's changing now because of how times yeah. are. But he was kind of like, men don't cry, men don't do this, men don't do that. And so when you're 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 feeling a certain type of way and you would express it maybe once or twice, they'll say, ah, stop, stop, stop being like this, stop being like that. And it's understandable because that, those were the times we were in. Like back then it was like mm-hmm. that. Men don't cry, men don't show their yeah. expressions and feelings. It was only when we grew up and mental health started being a common factor of why um you know, many men took their lives, many men done and different types of things. It was then kind of they'll sympathize and empathize with you and kind of say, Oh, like, how are you feeling today? How are you um how how are you doing today? Um, I remember when I got let go by um West Ham and I went through a state of depression, like deep depression, mm-hmm. like suicidal depression kind mm-hmm. of thing. And you're you're at that stage where your parents kind of see like rah, th- there's no saying you're a man, like stop mm-hmm. this, because whatever you were telling me, it was going through one ear out the other. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was literally, like, doing balloons in my bed every day. Like, run through packs. Do you know what I mean? Like, run through packs of balloons. You would abuse alcohol. You'd abuse women. Like, you do things that you you know you shouldn't do. And it gets to the stage where you think, like, this isn't even getting me to a better place, you know? And then you get to the point where I just think, you know what? Let me me just end this kind of thing. And you, you get to that point, you know? Um because you feel like you can't express yourself to other people you can't and it's only when i formed like a good like friendship besides me being related to my parents like a good friendship outside of it it was only then i could actually um relay my actual feelings to them and i felt better about it but besides that it felt like before that sorry it felt like they're not understanding me because they're so mm-hmm. caught up in the culture if i see how how i feel la 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 they'll think this that, and the other um but I think the more culture got broken down, the more we mm. actually connected. Very, it's a, well, thanks for being so open, Nathan. Um, that's a very, very, very good point. Um, I kind of hit on this point in my podcast about black community, the black community and mental health, but as a black community, we kind of don't help ourselves as well. We're, we're very quick to say, like, we need help from, um, obviously, the government and the kind of institutions obviously the mental health hospitals and all of that but at the same time we have to look at ourselves as a community and realize that some of the cultural aspects we're bringing into into our home with our kids about mental health isn't positive and it doesn't promote positive mental health because if you're saying for example you're saying obviously your dad was saying men don't cry boys don't cry then that kind of doesn't promote positive mental health at all and obviously that's through no thought of your dad that's just obviously what he's grown up as and what he's known coming um obviously coming from congo to the uk that's that's what he knows from back home it's not oh no he mm. learned, no that's obviously behaviors that have been learned i don't think it it's comes from anything all. malicious no too. way yeah i i just think it comes from yeah exactly just knowing it. it's, it's learned behavior that's mm. that is what a lot of Mm. And this is talking about the whole breaking the whole generational curse thing because it mm. is learns behavior. Your mm. dad probably learned that from his dad, his dad probably learned that from his dad, and so on and so on and so on. And then obviously he brings that obviously into the household, mm. and that's what he's teaching you because that's all he knows. 
it's not like you said this until mm. they kind of saw it from a different angle when you actually said that you had fallen into a deep depression and they kind of realized wow maybe what we're saying isn't working and we need to try a different approach and obviously that's good because mm. it kind of opens up that that quite and it's quite a hard conversation to have i think with your parents i don't think especially as a yeah. man um it's very hard which is kind of my next kind of point it's very hard to talk so freely about your emotion as a man i still think now everyone's trying to go in 2020 but 2020, i know we're in the 21st century and you know everything's moving and we're getting to grips but at the same time we kind of still have the old school values in terms of mm-hmm. men anyway even in like mm-hmm. when you look at that like, media i know there's quite a lot of i don't watch senders and those stuff then soaps anymore but i know that a lot of these tv sets are trying to show a different side to men and mental health especially I think it was Coronation Street actually yeah. that did the episode. I think it's Asia Girl. Was his name Aiden? And he um, obviously took his own life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. they did it in such a sensitive way, but also showing the effects and how it can spiral. And I don't think people, like men, are, mm. if I'm, my cystics are right, um, they're, the leading, they're the leading gender for taking their own lives in the UK. Men. Mm. It doesn't surprise me, though. It, it doesn't surprise me because I feel like a lot of us don't, still to this day, don't speak about how we feel. Um, and even with our parents, touching a bit back on to our parents, I mean, for me, I spoke to my dad a couple, a couple of months ago and through lockdown, so we can't go away and can't do such things. And um, it's the first time I actually heard his account of when he came from Barbados to here. Mm. Actually understanding how he felt doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw him in a different, not saying I had a negative black, but I saw him in a different black because that's a, 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 probably a door that I never opened before. Yeah. That was never probably previously, we can never have that dialogue because we were taught to survive. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that a lot of black men do take their lives because we don't speak. And even then, if we do speak, how many, how many of us in our social groups and stuff understand and uh, listening to our friend when they're saying, I think I don't think it's actually the um the fear of actually speaking out and being looked at as looked at as weak what men fear. I think that men mostly yeah. fear not being understood and then knowing that yeah. their information is out there um and knowing that it could be yeah. mishandled. Because yeah. men are very men can be quiet. Like, why is this a thing? Yeah. And some I people agree. take the mick out of people's situations too. Especially yeah. in this, in they this don't mean of um, social media. Because people have so much to say about people, but have, and it's, and, it's, and it's true, you genuinely don't know what somebody's going through. You genuinely do not. Mm. And I agree with you, Nathan. I do think it's a thing of men fearing, now they've come out and said what they said, what is now going to be done with that information? Is it a case of you're now going to use the information yeah, I've told yeah. you to help me, or are you now going to use that information I've told you to then use against me, or use yeah. in a way that isn't <clears throat> positive to me? Yeah, that's yeah, that's man. that that's, the that's issue. just it's a case of how are you now going to say this? So, for example, if a male was to come to me, like my um, brothers or my cousins, for example, and say and tell me certain things, so they're going to be thinking, "Oh, Rihanna." Are you now gonna try and help me, or are you now gonna go and tell your friend about this person? Or you do that, <laughs> and I and I get it mm. 
because it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for every gender, but for men, I sympathise because I do think you know I've had men do have this persona that they have to push forward, whether they think they do or not. There's a reason why men act the way they act. It's it's by it's simple biology, and they feel like they mm. have to have this certain persona in order to feel like a man. Because mm. in reality, you can't be out... And I know a lot of men think, you can't just be out here suddenly start breaking down in tears. Because men will think, why is this man just crying like this? And people will say, no, 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 mm. no. But no, because people will actually think of that the first time. I'm telling you. People will be like, no, 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 we wouldn't think that. We wouldn't judge. But, but no, you would. That situation where you're open and vulnerable is used against you <laughs> in a later <laughs> argument. Yeah. Oh. I hear crying on my phone. See, this is the thing. It, it gets used against you. That's what I'm saying. Men don't like to be vulnerable because half the time when you're vulnerable, somebody is going to use it against you. Can you imagine this macho guy out here like crying and say he feels this way, especially to like maybe other men or female or in relationships with, with women? Yeah. Game over. Because yeah. already now you're weak. Well, this guy's calling my phone. How you gonna be crying on my phone when you're telling me this? You're no longer attracted to that person. <laughs> that person's now soft, weak. Yeah, you can't yeah. handle life. You've got problems. It's and I'm glad you lot are pointing all these things out because this is my point and what I keep talking about with men and mental health and why we need to uplift it. Because exactly what you and Nathan have just said about the fact that men struggle to be vulnerable, especially to a person that they're seeing um, in their within their family, because they don't know whether they can be vulnerable. Mm. It's not socially accepted. Mm. I should, I'm putting quotes. It's not socially accepted for a man to be vulnerable. It's getting a, lot, a little bit better, but there's still quite a lot of work to do. And that mm. kind of goes on to my next point about mm. how hard is it for you to yourselves as men to express yourself emotionally? And do you think the traditional um, ideas of masculinity negatively will imp- impact your mental health, i.e. feeling that you have to be strong and not emotional? Exactly what we've been talking about, not vulnerable, like how would you two, how do you two express yourself emotionally? And how hard is it, to be fair, how hard is it for you guys to express yourself emotionally, I should say? Wow. How can I answer this? Um, I feel like for me personally, Looking at mental health now, I'm a lot more open to certain people who I have a rapport with. I, I'm not a person that just, oh, this expresses how they feel and just air it to the world. Uh, me and you have to be a certain type of way for me to express how I feel and get something vice versa. Um, because I feel like for, for men, we, we, like I said before, we don't like to be taken Stephen was talking about um, the vulnerability and how he'll only build, he'll only really talk to somebody that has a rapport with. So do you feel the same way, Nathan? Um, I'm pretty similar. Um, I, I, I look at the maturity of the person first because if that person like, first kind of runs to me about other people's information, for sure, I'm not telling you about mine. Um, and I kind of have my own little bubble. Um, so like obviously, I have my faith, so obviously, I, I will most likely, but most often, speak to God mm-hmm. if I'm literally, like, can't speak to anyone. And then, obviously, like, I've got, like, my close people, you know, like, my 
my parents um your siblings really yeah and you know it will get extended to maybe one one or two other people and that's it you know because it's kind of like again like as a guy you just don't number one you don't want your business out there because you don't know how they're going to handle that information and number two like it's bad to say and i know i shouldn't i shouldn't have this but I feel like when someone has information about you that could, like, possibly get out there and then, like, make you look kind of silly, that person has the upper hand on you, in my mind, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like you don't want that to happen. So you just say, all right, I'm going to swallow it. That person, like, as much as I want to talk, I'd rather just swallow it and save the shame than actually say, and you never know that guy could bring it up another time. Mm. Yeah, that is true. That's interesting. I think men definitely have it hard. So does women. So does everybody. I'm not. It's not. This is not a gender specific, or it is a gender specific podcast. But it is obviously inclusive to everybody. But men definitely, I think their vulnerability side just doesn't. Yeah, you know, kind of need to work on that and learning how to express yourselves. Because it's natural. And I think that's the point that I want this podcast to come across is that whether you're a man or male or female, it is older, younger. It is natural to feel... You can't feel happy every day. It's Mm. not humanly possible to feel Mm. happy every day. I'm sorry. I I much everyone wants to be like, yeah, positivity. Sometimes you don't feel positive. And that's... And this is the thing. It's okay. I think we come into a society where everyone thinks that if you're not positive 24-7 of the day, then you're bad vibes. And that is not the case at Mm. all. Because you can feel low and still, and still, you can feel low and still be able to interact with people. It's yeah. not normal and humanly possible to feel great every single day. I, I don't mm. know anybody that feels like that. The top psychiatrist, psychologist in the world would tell you the same thing mm. that your body naturally, your body processes things very differently. So your emotions speak. That's why sometimes people notice that when they're not feeling their self, they see a lot of different physical health alignments that come up as well. Just because your body goes hand in hand mentally and physically. Mm. So it's just a bit of awareness for the men out there. When you notice something physically wrong, check on your mental state. Mm. Because it usually is the case. It's going in. I mean, I'm not saying everything physically, obviously, just not go to the GP or doctor or whatever the case may be. But usually hand in hand, it's something to do with your mental state as well. Yeah, and also just be open to talk. Like this is coming to my next point: is that would you guys ever think about seeing a therapist, or have you seen a therapist? Um, if you needed to express yourself and you couldn't do it, like you said, Nathan, obviously you said that you've got your family, and obviously God, if you didn't feel like you could go, would you go to a therapist or go to a GP and seek help? Would that be something that you would do as a man? Yeah, I, I've actually been thinking about it. You know. Oh, it's yeah. something I've actually thought, yeah, just just to see what it's like, um, just to see where it is and what it's like. Obviously, it's 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 one of those things where you've got to have your reason to grow to go kind of thing, but at the same time, you kind of don't. But yeah, I I just feel like I wanna I wanna explore that avenue. Um, I just wanna explore that avenue. So maybe for me, it's it's something I'll look into in the near future. Stephen. Um, I'll definitely do it. I feel I feel like it's need. I mean, I always find myself to be sort sort my problems out myself or talk to whoever. Um, but I definitely felt if I genuinely felt I needed it, I would do it. And um, in the future, when I have kids, if they need it and I'm not 
maybe qualify to deal with that and then we need further help, then yeah, 100%. Because we can't break the cycle by saying we want change and then we don't follow through with it. So mm. I can't say to you, ah, oh, yeah, I'm all about talking about feelings, but I want to therapy. It makes no sense. So mm. yeah, I would 100% do it if I felt that I actually needed to. That's so positive because usually men are like, nah. <laughs> What am I going to therapy for? Not all men, but some men are very much like, no, I'm not interested. I do think therapy is important. I personally haven't gone to therapy, but like, if I needed to, I would go. Um, I haven't felt the need to go. I'm very, I think I'm quite in touch in terms of my mental health myself. And I think obviously working in mental health kind of puts a lot of things in pers- into perspective. Mm. So it kind of acknowledges if I am feeling, if I do feel out of sync, I'm quite good at knowing. Mm. But I do feel like therapy is a good thing to go to, especially for the men, the black men as well. I think it's really imperative. Also, because right now as black people, we are going through such a weird time. <laughs> like, it's been, I think 2020 has literally been like an iron. I mean, we as black people, guy, you can obviously chip in if you think I'm wrong. I think I've always kind of known about certain societal expectations of us, whether you're a black woman or a black man. But I think this year has kind of opened the eyes to a lot of people who may not necessarily have known, number one. Mm. Number two, also highlighting the difference. Like, look at what was going on in Nigeria, Congo currently, South Africa, um, all these different African continents that, unfortunate countries, sorry, um, which unfortunately are going through a state of, I don't even know what the word is, it's just just horrible, it's not nice. Mm. And how that impacts us negatively as our mental health so negatively as black people because we feel it because we are black like you said nathan earlier when it came to george floyd and you when you were playing football in canada how you felt it because you're a black man and you're in canada mm. i'm sure does the canadian police carry guns uh no they're, they're pretty similar to the U- uk police oh okay yeah so very similar in terms of obviously they don't carry guns but also the same therapist that could have been you say if you was going to america that yeah. could have been you yeah. And I think as black people currently and as a black men and black men right now is quite it's kinda hard. It can it's negatively I saw a guy tweet the other day saying he just had to come on social media because it's just it's overwhelming. Mm. Like for and as men, as we have keep we have said throughout this whole podcast episode, it's very hard to open up yourself vulnerable. Mm. So I would encourage any man, black, white, Asian, whoever's listening to this. Go to a therapist if you need it. If you can't speak to your parents, your if friends, if you don't even have a support system, even go to your GP. I mean, speak to Rihanna. If, <laughs> <laughs> if you go to your GP, you're usually unfortunately the NHS has quite a long waiting list when it comes to certain therapies, especially talking therapies. Obviously, they're quite overwhelmed. If you can afford private therapy, I would recommend. There are also a lot of um, charities right now as well that are kind of doing discounted therapy too. So obviously if you are out there and you maybe financially, because therapy is expensive and not everyone has the financial means who may need it to be able to, to able to access it. And there are a lot of charities, especially now, quite a lot of Black Lives Matter charities that are, if you've got Google it, you'll see they're doing quite a lot of like discounted therapies. So hundred percent, if you're a black man, a man that needs therapy, I promote it. 120% 120% it's important it's important to speak it's important to say how you're feeling because mm-hmm. the look at um one of the rappers is it the baby the baby I never get these American rappers names right he's he just lost his brother to wow. 
he just um took his life mm. and he's tweeted saying he's going to see a therapist because evidently that is what's needed in the community that he's literally just lost his brother his brother um unfortunately from what i've read um with the prep had a long history of depression and he just felt like he couldn't cope that is crazy yeah so the importance of therapy and people think it's a joke and it's really not it's really not and i I mean, a lot of my friends and family will say I bang on about mental health, but I do because it's so important and people mm. sometimes don't understand that. It's mm. not it's not a joke. It's so important. Your mental health is what keeps you going, what makes you, gets you up literally mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got your heart and your, the parts of your body, but your mental state and your mentality is what gets you out of bed in the morning. And if you do not have that, you are going to struggle. So what and, brought you to this point, Rihanna? Like, to think yeah. like this? Well... <laughs> In terms of what? Are you, what's the like your mental mental health. Like how, what brought you to the point to think of mental health to this degree that you think of it? Like how high you regard it? Because it's just probably my background, obviously, from the first ever episode I did. Obviously, I got into why I got into, Well, actually, I didn't really say why I got into mental health. But I think just of what I've seen over the years of working in mental health, I just think people don't take it seriously until it's at the end. Mm. till they're either sectioned which isn't a nice thing to be sectioned at all, but mm. with police coming and detaining you. Mm. It's not nice. Mm. Where you're that, where people, I've seen people in my previous job become very, very acutely unwell. And it's not nice at mm. all. It's really not. And if I can stop just one person from listening to, who listens to this podcast and listens to us guys speak currently now mm. to think twice about potentially if they were going to take their life or how they're feeling mentally and that person will then go up and go to their GP or go to therapist, then mm-hmm. my job's done. Yeah, well, Because yeah, it's so important. Mental health is so important and I will keep promoting it because it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen things that's done to people and like I said, till the end of the road. Not at the beginning. Yeah. Literally, when it's deteriorated to the point where they have had to be sectioned. Well, they are very, very acutely unwell. People see people every day, and this this is kind of going off the tangent of not being on mental mental health, but I'm just gonna kind of saying it. Um, people see people every day that are mentally unwell on the roads, mm. and you do not know when you're walking past someone on the street that maybe doesn't, maybe you think, oh no, they're not mentally okay. Mm. They have a story. Mm-hmm. They didn't just get like that. They didn't just deteriorate. They have a story, mm. and it's just important to promote it. And I will continue to c- keep promoting positive mental health there's someone interesting you should actually look at his name is marvin sordell he actually stopped playing football because like he just said look like i care about my mental health more than football and just stopped playing really so yeah. for all my football listeners out there nathan say his name again marvin sordell like he does some amazing stuff on his instagram i, I suggest you check it too like he does some amazing stuff i will yeah i will that kind of brings me to a close Go on, Stephen. Oh, no, I had, I had a question for Nathan, um, actually. Um, going back to football, um, when you look at, obviously, you play in Canada now, mm-hmm. and I generally, you know, playing football as a kid, you know, enjoyed football, never really took it to that point where I went to be a footballer. Mm. Um, but do you feel like Premier League footballers, compared to probably maybe players in other leagues, maybe like you look at the championship going down mm-hmm. and you look at other leagues in MLS. Do you feel like they're genuinely, I always find that footballers that don't play in the Premier League are generally happier um, because the pressure is not always 
although they have pressures in their own league to succeed, mm-hmm. they just go out and play for the love of the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. Well, well, obviously, like yourself, we all have jobs, we're all employed. But how do you deal with the sport? You love the sport, but it's actually your job. Yeah. Well, no, we go to jobs that we either love or we hate. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Um, that aspect of it. It's a love-hate relationship. Mm. It's like one of those ones where, of course, you don't have the pressure of 60,000, 70,000 fans shouting down your throat, or shouting yeah. down your head, whatever. But you've got different pressures. So, like, whereas they don't have the financial pressure, we might have the financial pressure because we're not at yeah. that stage. Mm. It's just subjective. And so I've got, I've got people who um, I play with and their their main aim is paying off the mortgage or paying off um, yeah, whatever yeah, they're yeah. paying off and if they can't afford that then they're finished because that's this is all we do you mm. know um, so I think that the, the pressure the pressure is just different because mm. you, there's players that that you can say are in the Premier League you can't say they don't enjoy it because you're literally at the elite the only yeah, reason yeah, sure. why you won't enjoy it is because of the pressures it comes with. Like you're mm. you're going into a game and excuse my French, like you go into a game and but right before you're gonna get changed, you see someone write your shit on Twitter. And you're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You might think, oh, the guy's got millions, he don't care, but like does, this is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what he's worked for for 30 years. So imagine mm. someone just coming to tell you that like you're crap from and and, and the thing is it's like you want your ego strokes because you love what you do and people love footballers genuinely mm. so for someone to tell you that it, it's mad and there's just different types of pressures and different things that trigger people um, yeah, to yeah. answer your question so it just depends how you view it and what you're going through because mm. yeah your pressures are different um, um, just because of what you're going through so you know mine might be financial theirs might be um, what they're going through at home um, I remember I know a footballer um, who's an African footballer and he has to feed his um, 20 brothers and sisters you know and wow. you know you got to think of it like really really think of it he's he's trying to build a house for probably about seven or eight of them trying mm. to trying to feed his mum his dad by the time you look back at his bank account for himself and his own family it's not yeah. what the newspapers project yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, so it, it, it's much deeper than just you, yourself, and I, and me, or my millions. It's me, my millions, my family, and whoever else needs to reap off it. So it, it's 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 really subjective. Mm. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we've actually come to a close. You guys were so good. Thank you so much for being on Lights Misses podcast. And to all my listeners, like I said, um, this episode is part one. I will be doing part two very, very soon, which will be looking at the old generation. And the same, I'm going to be asking the same question, which is going to be interesting to see how the different generations think about mental health. Thank you so much. Obviously, follow me on light spa- on Instagram, which is light underscore space underscore. And my Twitter, Twitter is light space underscore mh so obviously for mental health and for all my listeners so in germany indonesia and the usa thank you and the uk thank you so much for listening thanks guys take care take care Bye. Bye. bye